0: Welcome to Urban Dharma, the podcast, where suffering is optional. Now, this is Revan Kusla coming to you from downtown Los Angeles, from the International Buddhist Meditation Center in the heart of Koreatown. Well, it's a warm and pleasant day in Los Angeles, and the podcast you're about to hear is a talk I gave a week or so ago at True Yoga in Thousand Oaks, California. The talk was focused on finding peace in the world, finding peace with other human beings, and finding peace within yourself. I hope you find it interesting. I hope you find it useful. So without further introduction, my talk on finding peace. So Thursday, uh, there was a peace, uh, what, would we, what would we call it? What was it, a peace assembly, peace meeting, peace rally? coming together, a peaceful people, whatever you want to call it, uh, we converged and, and we had a couple hours of uh, expressing uh, our perspective on peace. And to be honest with you, uh, when I decide to speak, what I do is this. I usually think about or read about a few topics and plant some seeds and then I wait for them to cluster. And clustering can take a really long time because you have to water them and, and feed them and nurture them, and then the thoughts start to come together a little bit, and then the stories start to, you know, become apparent to you. And and sometimes you're ready for the presentation, and sometimes you're not. Well, I had I had I was told I had five minutes to speak, and asking me to speak for five minutes is uh, It's difficult because it takes me that long to get started. The other people, they've got a of you. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes, because they took, yes, exactly. So what could you say in five minutes, and and what did you want to say about peace in five minutes? So I sort of approached it in this way, but but there was still one part of the puzzle that was missing. I couldn't get it. And I, and I thought about it, and, and, and I tried to think how I could, what do I need to do to get this piece of the puzzle? And actually, it had been missing for months, if not years. So uh, Friday morning, yesterday morning at 6 o'clock, I woke up, and that piece of the puzzle was there. And it's such a wonderful experience. Because when the piece of the puzzle arose from my subconscious and connected to the rest of the puzzle, everything made perfect sense. And I'm just thinking to myself, I wish I had had about a half hour and that piece of the puzzle on Thursday, because I could have given a dynamite presentation. But uh, I'm going to try to talk a little bit about it today and make up for what I didn't do on Thursday. So my approach was this. Lisa said, We'd like you to talk about peace, and that was about it. And so that's a giant uh topic. Well, where do you start? What do you do? You know, and so I read a couple articles on peace uh by Buddhists and they were okay. But it wasn't, you know, uh inspiring to me, and it didn't move me in any sort of emotional way. And then I read this one article by a Hindu on an Indian website. And he was talking in this way about peace. He said there are three levels of peace. There is peace with the world, there is peace with human beings, and there is peace with yourself. So I like that. I'm thinking, okay, now this makes sense. I can work with this. So then I thought to myself, well, what does peace in the world mean? Well, he was talking about, can we make peace with the hurricanes? Can we make peace with the earthquakes and tsunamis? Can we make peace with 105 degrees temperature and 99% humidity? Can we be peaceful in those environments? Or do we just rage and rant thinking, why me? And what can I do to avoid this in the future? So how does one come to peace with their environment? And in the presentation I gave on Thursday, I also talked about all the creatures that want to kill me. So we have the lions and tigers and bears. And if anybody saw the Wizard of Oz, they know that is true. We have the snakes. If anybody saw snakes on the plane, they know that's true. And then we have the poison ivy that's just lurking for you. You know, you, you can't see it, but it knows you're there. So I'm thinking, just going into the forest, you're taking your life in your hands, you know. Uh, And even though we think of it as Mother Nature, and how wonderful and and peaceful it is. And yet, if we could just sort of pull back that, that veneer, we'd see, look at the ants and the bugs and the snakes and the creatures and the crawlies, and you go, oh my gosh, I don't want to be here. So how do you make peace with that? Then... How do you make peace with all those human beings that you don't like, don't understand? How do you make peace with the politicians who you know are corrupt or incompetent? How do you make peace with your next-door neighbor whose dog barks every night, all night? How do you make peace with all the people in your life that you have friction with? How do you resolve those issues, family and friends? How do you make peace with that? And then finally the personal level, how do you make peace with yourself? How do you deal with all those thoughts and anxieties and fears, um, visions of the future that may or may not materialize? How do you deal with that? How do you come to a place of peace with your interior world? So this was my predicament. How could I explain that in a way that would be understandable? And What does it mean to be at peace as a Buddhist? Okay, so that was where I began my journey, planting the seeds, waiting for the clusters to materialize, waiting for those ideas to take root and bear fruit. Well, it happened Friday morning. I was a day late. But this is what I've come to understand about finding peace according to Buddhism that we need to understand three aspects of Buddhism to really come to a place of personal peace, peace with people in the world, and peace with the world itself. The first thing we need to understand about the world, people, and ourselves, is that we and they are in flux. They are impermanent. We are impermanent. There's nothing to hold on to. If we understand that, we shouldn't be surprised when it turns into 105. We shouldn't be surprised if we have a hurricane or flood occasionally because this environment we live in is constantly changing. It's got so many conditions involved in how it's playing out that none of us could actually predict in any real way what's going to happen tomorrow, a year from now, or a decade from now. Just too many conditions to even comprehend. If we come to a place of understanding that, yes, this world is in a constant state of flux, that will bring us to a certain level of peace, inner peace. That that there is a place of acceptance with that understanding that naturally arises. Now, the next aspect is because everything is always changing, because everything is in a constant state of flux, it leads to unsatisfactoriness. That we can never ever be satisfied with the way the world is, because once we are, it changes. Now, is that disappointing or why? In a way, when I think about what I'm saying to you now, I'm sort of glad I didn't say it at the peace rally, because it really isn't a positive message when you first hear it. You think, oh my gosh, well, if I really work hard, and for some reason, some chance, some karmic consequence comes about, and we find world peace, according to Buddhism, it's temporary. It will only last a very short time, and something else will take its place. So don't get too attached to that worldview, that we can find peace in the world. Because the world does not have peace in it, but we have the potential of finding our own peace while living in the world. So because everything's in a constant state of flux, because everything changes, everything ultimately becomes unsatisfactory. Everything ultimately leads to suffering. So, can we come to a place of acceptance with that? That what else would I think about? How else could I look at the world? How else could I view the world? How else could I live in the world? Other than understanding, because of flux, the potential for suffering is, is everywhere, all the time, just waiting to happen. And finally, last but not least, there's nothing in the world that exists independently, that everything is interconnected and interdependent that everything exists because of other things. Everything is conditional. So if I look at the world in a conditional way, I can't really blame any one thing, including myself, for how the world is, because the world is not moved by simply one thing. And perhaps it's good I didn't say that at the Peace Conference rally either, because there were a lot of references to God. And in Buddhism, we would say there's never one thing, there's always many things that are connected that create the outcome of those conditions. With that wisdom, with that understanding, with that knowledge, we can come to a place of profound acceptance with the way things are. We can be in chaos and be peaceful because we know there is no other way it could be. This place of acceptance allows us to find that place in us where peace resides. Profound acceptance. That part of the puzzle I understood from the get-go. And I was able to verbalize it intellectually pretty well. But now, this was my dilemma. If you came to a profound acceptance of the way things are, if you found your own inner peace, why would you change anything? Why would you help anybody? Why would you want to make the world any different than it is if it's just the way it's supposed to be? That was the peace that was missing. Because the Buddha found profound peace in his nirvana, but the Buddha for 45 years walked and talked about how to find peace how to find serenity how to find tranquility how to find nirvana the end of suffering he didn't simply sit down and enjoy his own inner peace he was actively pursuing the end of suffering in the world by teaching and facilitating others so where did that come from? that's the part I couldn't figure out Because if we're satisfied, if we're totally satisfied with our life right now, would we do anything else? Would we do anything differently? And why would we want to? So, at 6 o'clock in the morning, it took root. I figured it out. This is why, I think, the Buddha continued to practice and teach in the world for 45 years, even though he had found profound acceptance of the way things were and are, and he no longer suffered. He understood the world clearly. He understood this is the place where birth and death occur. He understood that this world is ultimately unsatisfactory, always was, always will be. He understood there is no hope. That everyone who is born has to get sick, everyone who is born has to get old, and everyone who is born has to die. There is no denying that. There's no escaping that. And yet, he had found his own peace, his own inner tranquility through his practice. And yet, got off the cushion, went into the world, and helped others and their suffering. And I couldn't figure out where that came from. What kind of intention was that? If we understand those three aspects of wisdom, impermanence and flux, unsatisfactoriness, not self, no independent existence, we can come to a place of peace. But our urgency and intention to be of service to others comes from a deep understanding of the interconnection and interdependence of all phenomena. That when we understand anyone who is suffering is part of us. Anyone who is dying is part of us. Anyone who is hungry and homeless allows us to see that in ourselves as well. So he found profound peace in his life through his practice and through entering nirvana. But the intention to be of service to others. The intention to possibly direct the world, direct the suffering in another way, came from his enlightenment experience of the interconnectedness of all phenomena. His intention of loving kindness manifested in the activity of compassion. That activity of compassion is based on understanding clearly that we are all interconnected and interdependent. And even if the person is going to die, and even if the person is going to be homeless, is there something we can do not to change their circumstances necessarily, but is there something we can do to change their level of dissatisfaction, to change their level of suffering? So I think for Buddhism, after I reflected on all these aspects. Buddhism is saying we can never make the world peaceful but we can find inner peace in our own life and we can reduce the suffering of others through our skillful intentions, our skillful speech, and our skillful actions. So even if you do achieve nirvana in this very lifetime, it doesn't necessarily mean that you've ended your journey. You may have, in some very real way, just begun the journey of being of service to others. Not to save them, not to change their world or their life in any particular way, but simply to help them end their suffering. now when this all came about in my head I don't know if this is a positive message when I I listen to it for me it's positive for me it means yeah we don't have to be victims we can be of service we need to help others we need to make the world different than it is but we don't change the world by creating a world that we think um, would be better we change the world by encouraging it to change differently. That is already in a constant state of flux. So maybe all we need to do is push it a little bit here, support it a little bit there, throw a couple more concepts out, and the world itself will start to go in that direction. But the world doesn't stop. If the world ever comes to a place of peace, it just doesn't stop. It continues to evolve. It continues to change and be in constant flux. So it seems to me, if we want to actively participate in peace, we need to keep giving the world a direction to go in. And we can do that through the things we think about, say, and do. If we're successful, we will reduce suffering. But the world will still be a difficult place to live in. There still won't be enough water for everybody. There will still be people dying from famine and, and, and disease. Wow. And yet, can they die in peace? Can we walk and die in peace? I think we can, but it takes an awful lot of practice. Because our first... Intention, at least my first intention, seems to be to make the world different. And then if I'm clear, my second intention is to make me different. But I think logically it should be turned around. That I should want to be different first. And then I'll have some of the skills and tools necessary to influence the world in a way that reduces suffering. But I think ultimate peace is an ideal that may or may not... Well, I'm going to say it. Ultimate peace in this world of samsara is an ideal that probably will never be realized. Because this world is not conducive to peace. This world is conducive to birth and death. Well, that's it. That was my talk on finding peace. talk I gave at True Yoga in Thousand Oaks, California. If you'd like to know more about me, please visit my website, kusala.info. That's K-U-S-A-L-A dot info. If you'd like to listen to other podcasts, or see a video that I've posted on the internet, please go to dharmatalks.info. That's dharmatalks.info. And if you'd like to email me, my email address is kusala at urbandharma.org. That's kusala at urbandharma.org. Well, until the next time, until the next podcast, be happy, be peaceful, and most of all, be free from suffering.